Hey, hey. Welcome to the Brian Francis Podcast. You doing? Thanks for joining me today, Thursday, August 2nd, 2018. A lovely day in Bucks County. Not too hot, not too humid. Just perfect. A nice August day. What August should be. So, a couple things on my mind, a couple things to talk about. First of all, let's begin this show like I seemingly begin most shows these days with an apology and a retraction of an error that I made. On last week's show, it was brought to my attention that I called the old sea captain in the movie Jaw, Jaws, the singular Jaw. Sea Captain in the movie Jaws, Quinn, when in fact his name is Quint. Quint. Thank you, you diligent listeners, for pointing that out. It is just a comedy of errors here on the Brian Francis podcast from the Gordon Lightfoot debacle of two weeks ago and now Quint. Uh, What's happening is I am going to fire my fact checker. He's a 33-year-old man with four kids and a fifth on the way. And my fact checker, this is his only source of income, the Brian Francis podcast. But I had to let him go this morning. Needless to say, he and his wife were devastated by the sudden termination. But I can't have shoddy facts coming through the podcast and going to you, the listener. So we try to have some quality control around here. I gave him a pamphlet with insurance for Cobra, and uh, we'll see how it works out. Good luck. Only kidding, there are no facts checkers facts checkers here. This is a one-man band, and all the responsibility falls on me, your host. I apologize for the erroneous statements about Jaws. I'm not great with names, I've come to realize. I think I'm good with big picture stuff, but sometimes the details I get a little foggy, particularly with names. Let me get a a sip of coffee and tell you what I'm talking about here. And today's coffee is a homebrew, a little Folgers in my cup. Enjoying it from home. If I'm going to suburban party, which happens most nights, as you know, there is often the moment where I have a little huddle, a little pep talk with my wife that goes something like this. I'll ask, what's the dad's name again? Okay, and okay, uh, Jim. And, and the wife's name is Karen? Oh, Susan. That's Susan. And my wife is horrified. To learn that these people that we've invested a good amount of time in, I still can't quite get the names down. She claims it's a bit of narcissism on my part. I claim I have so many names swimming in my brain. Being a teacher, being a public servant, being a person who is constantly interacting with thousands and thousands of people. But maybe she's right. Jim and Susan. My apologies. I will be in the suburban kitchen party, and oftentimes I will forget the lesson that my wife will give me in the car, and I will just go to Jim 
I'll forget the name and I'll say, hey, guy, good party, guy. It's tough. I hope my insincerity doesn't bleed through. It's not insincere. I just forget the name. I just forget the name. That happens sometimes, again, as a teacher, when I see students outside of school, maybe ones that I haven't taught for years. Perhaps I'll see a student that I haven't taught in 15 years, say, at the mall, and uh, they'll come up to me and say, oh, my goodness, Mr. Brian Francis podcast, you, you were my favorite teacher, because that's what they usually say, because I was, sometimes. You, you, I remember, oh, man, I remember your class, I remember your class, and I'll say, hi, Nathan. And they'll say, oh, my goodness, you remember my name. That was 15 years ago. You remember my name. A little do they know that they're working in the gap folding sweaters and they're wearing a name tag. So I just glanced down and read the name tag. But I don't tell them that. I let them live off this moment. But in fact, I did remember their name. Because if you've had me for an English teacher, there's a good chance you're working retail at this point. I kid. I kid. Nathan, I do remember. And it's funny. Nate, the name is usually the first thing to go, but I do remember personalities. And I specifically remember where a student sat in the classroom, front, back, side, that, that detail. And when you have back to school night and parents show up, the funny thing is if you let students select their seat and then back to school night rolls around, the parents oftentimes will select the exact same seat as their son or daughter. Isn't that something? How biology works, how DNA works, how the apple doesn't fall far from the desk, apparently. So I apologize for the names, and I will give more uh, thought to names both in real life and in movies. What else? So you know, this this podcast, people have said I didn't do it uh, in my weekly routine. I missed a couple days, and this is people. You can never win with people, right? Because when I started doing the podcast, people said, "Why are you doing a podcast?" And then I didn't do it for a week, and people said, "How come you're not doing the podcast?" Said, you can't win. What do you want? You want the podcast, you don't want the podcast, you can't win. Listen, so it's back. It's free. Spread the word, folks. Spread the word. Share. Because, well, we got to get the numbers up. I don't know. We'll get some more. We're almost at the 500 download mark, which I'm very excited about. But what, what else could we, what do we need? Russian hackers? Do we need Russian hackers falsifying these download numbers? Because I'll do it. I'm shameless. I know Putin listened to episode number three. I don't know if he stuck with the podcast after that. So if you're out there, Vladimir, let's talk. I'll negotiate with anyone. But I don't want to, I can't market the thing myself. A, I don't have the brain power. B, I'm the artist, you know. I don't want to taint my fingers in the ugliness of capitalism. I want to fly above it all in my ivory tower, just writing the songs that make the whole world sing, not necessarily pitching it, but I will. 
find creative ways to market this entertainment masterpiece. <laughs> Got into a discussion of movies this weekend. So I think the race, the most racist movie ever made, this is where this conversation started to go the other night, the most racist movie ever made has to be the 1986 comedy Soul Man starring C. Thomas Howell. Soul Man. Even the title. I, I don't even have to say anything beyond the title. And you're already like, yeah, that, that feels like a misstep already, right, with the title. Folks, if you don't know the pre- – and I say this not to cause a Soul Man revival, not to think it's funny because I don't, but just to highlight – well, how, how we haven't really moved that far from some horrible ugliness of the uh, of the mid '80s and and even today the things that are going on. So this is in the lens of condemnation of Soul Man. So please take it in that spirit. The premise: C. Thomas Howe, the affluent. Caucasian son of a millionaire was unable to gain entrance into Harvard, maybe business school or law school, or maybe just the general Harvard undergrad program. That's that's not really a big part of the point here. Unable to gain entrance, so what he did, what movie producers thought would be a hoot, would be a how when they pitched this thing was Let's have our main character pretend he's African-American. We'll have him perform in blackface. And he'll get into Harvard due to affirmative action. What a, what a funny concept that. How pleasant. What a, what a family comedy that. What? Could you imagine pitching this movie today? Even at the time, that had to feel wrong-headed. Were there no people in 1986 like, what? What is it again? Wait a minute. What's your premise? And they'd be like, no, it's okay. C. Thomas Howe's going to take the lead. It'll be fine. My goodness. Soul Man. Somebody didn't believe me that this movie existed, so I had to look it up because I was like, did I imagine this in my Freudian 80s years? And it's true. It's true. And some of the taglines, like the subheading for this movie was like, oh, man, like uh, – so he didn't get in Harvard. So the subheading was like, don't get sad. Get down. Oh. My goodness. Soul Man, a comedy with heart and soul. Ouch. Oh. How cringeworthy. I don't know what's more cringeworthy. The fact of those terrible racially charged puns. Or the fact that Gene Shalit 
Is that how you pronounce his name? Again, with the names. Gene Shalit, a, a huge movie reviewer of the 80s and 90s, said, quote, Soul Man is very, very funny. Is it, Gene? Is it funny? Did it get your goat? This modern minstrel show. My goodness. I'm, there were other really racist movies of the 80s. The Toy with Richard Pryor in which a white family purchases an African-American and Richard Pryor is, is amusing them. And it's just – that was a bit – but he – I don't know how I feel about that. When Richard Pryor maybe okayed it or maybe he was cash-strapped or maybe he just thought it was funny and, hey, who am I to tell him what's right and wrong, right? He's in the struggle. I can't critique from the outside or was in the struggle, but an airplane, man. I mean, that movie had a lot of cringeworthy scenes, but I feel like they were just shooting. They were just offending everyone, caricatures of a lot of people. But again, I don't defend it. Some horribly misguided scenes, but I feel like Soul Man is the most racist, the most offensive movie because – it was well-intentioned. It wasn't a comedy where we're going to insult cultures. It really thought it was clever. It really thought its premise was profound. Which makes it ten times worse because it was well-intentioned. Did Soul Man Torpedo see Thomas Howe's career? Did he star in anything after that? Did everyone affiliated with that film go down in flames after that? I don't know. George Chalet liked it. I remember him on Good Morning America doing reviews. Anyway, folks, look out. At any moment, we can make these cultural missteps again. Be wary. wasn't long ago. When Soul Man was a modern movie mainstream release, and people chuckled. <laughs> See Thomas Howell in blackface. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Be wary. I did see a great movie, though, over the weekend with my wife. Eighth Grade is called Eighth Grade. If you have kids that are in or around this age, this is the movie for you. It will be be so informative for you from the Instagram culture to the way parents and kids communicate. It was shockingly realistic, unbelievably thought out, humorous and heartbreaking at the same time. I can't recommend eighth grade enough. It was pretty much a perfect movie. Check it out. The phone. The phone is so big with these kids on Instagram. And even like, you know, I've got like 20-something, 30-something friends. that they, they come up to me if we're at a party or something like uh, – and they're always flipping through their phone and show, yo, check check this out. Check, well, this is a girl I'm with now. This is just a Tinder here. I'm like, man, this is just a, a world unto itself. It's scary. I'm like, dude, Really? 
Do you know? Do you know? Do you interact with twenty and thirty somethings? It's a whole different game. It's like my goodness. So, and then you see this movie, Eighth Grade, gives you yet another insight on how technology is influencing our influencing our culture. Went down to Philly this weekend with my wife. Had a beautiful Philly weekend. We ate at what I would consider the premier. One of the premier steakhouses in Philadelphia called Barclay Prime. A lovely meal. I've never had this happen before. The waiter, waitress, came out right before our meal and offered a selection of steak knives. She opened a almost like an old suitcase and said, what knife would you like to use with your meal? I went with the Russian uh, flute knife with the engraved bone ivory handle, and my wife went with the Australian bow blade with a double-backed flint. <laughs> I don't know. I'm making this up, but we did select our knives. My goodness. We as a country are amusing ourselves to death, aren't we? But it was fun, and my goodness, that steak was the most fantastic steak I've ever had. I just... Wanted to slow the meal down. And thankfully, the meal was slow. When you go to a nice restaurant, we don't do it too frequently, but sometimes you got to blow it out, right? When you go to a nice restaurant, part of the niceness is how slowly the meal unfolds. You sort of sink into the atmosphere and just get so relaxed. And just focus on the person across from you at the table. And just have a moment. Have a moment of reflection and be like, isn't life nice? Because that is certainly how I felt. I think how we felt at Barclay Prime in Rittenhouse Square on Friday night. There are a lot of nice restaurants in Bucks County, too. And I like to go to these old inns that were around when Washington, George Washington ate here. Washington slept here. There are about five or six historic inns in Bucks County, and they are so cool. The roofs are really low. The floor is uneven as if they just poured concrete onto mud, and some of them are allegedly haunted. Allegedly haunted. I have never felt paranormal vibrations within these inns, and truthfully, I don't think I've ever felt a presence in my entire life. I'm sad to report. Not a ghost guy. Are you a ghost person? Do you believe in ghosts? Do you believe? I want to. I would love to meet a ghost. But I don't know. Aliens, yes. Ghosts, no. Now, why I make that distinction, I know that probably makes no sense. But... In my mind, that, that's the logical situation. That's how it sets up in my brain. My wife, she, my wife, I guess she believes in ghosts. She definitely believes in like noises. Like she hears something and she, what is that? What was that? Check that out. And I think part of the reason I don't believe in ghosts because every time she thinks there's a ghost, I have to go do something. I'm like, oh, I was just falling asleep. Really? Can we check it out tomorrow morning? I'll check it out then. I don't believe in the paranormal because I don't want to do stuff. I believe in your ghost, provided I don't have to get up. 
Whatever allows me to lay here, that's what I'll believe. Everything I just dismiss as a power surge. What? Oh, there's probably a power surge. Shh, power surge. I'm not even quite sure what a power surge is, but every paranormal activity, in my mind, is just a power surge. We went to the City Tavern in Philly, too, where they dressed up in uh, traditional revolutionary garb, which I found a bit hokey. I feel like were Ben Franklin alive today, he would not approve of this dress-up of colonial garb. I feel like he would look around and be like, this is cheesy. He was such a modern man, such a modern thinker, a modernist, that to play Halloween about history would feel false to him. I think he would want a bar with Yingling Lager and Eagles posters everywhere. He would want something authentically Philly in 2018. I was going to tell the bartender that at City Tavern, but I thought, hmm, let me bite my tongue. Let me, but you can imagine sometimes I don't bite my tongue. And, and I've, got, uh, I've got the scars to show it. <laughs> I don't know what, how does that saying goes to go show for it? Well, but it was good. Did not see any hauntings. I'm not scared of ghosts. I think the one thing I'm scared of is like germs. Like that, that is my biggest fear. Like I go to these craft beer things sometime and I'll get an IPA and some guy, you know, a buddy of mine, be like, yo, let me get a sip of that. I'd be like, ah, you know what? You can just have it. <laughs> you can just have have the beer. It's fine. Just take it. Well, you weren't gonna drink that, nah. Just it was. It's no good. It's it's yours. It's flat. It's yours. Take it. No, I got this porter. You want a sip of it? No, I'm good, dude. I'm good. I don't need a sip of that. This sipping culture. Don't sip my beer. Don't even look at my beer. All right? It's disgusting. I think I get that from being a teacher. This germaphobe thing started to happen later in life because everyone is coughing on you, breathing on you. You just – this crush of, of bodies everywhere that it gets a bit much sometimes. And I developed a dependence on hand sanitizer to get through the day. These are my phobias. Germs. Another thing I get uncomfortable talking about along the lines of germs is I've never had chicken pox. And whenever that conversation comes up, people be like, you never had chicken You know that if you don't have chicken, you get, it's worse. It's worse for you. And I get very uncomfortable. And I try to change the subject. I'd be like, you think uh, Carson Wentz is going to start this season? You never had chicken pox? Yeah, I know. It, it's, it's, big, it's probably the thing I'm most insecure about in life. Because I'm always like, why didn't I have chicken pox? Pox. Pox. Everyone else did. Why were my parents asleep at the wheel? Shouldn't I have been, ex have been exposed to this? What were they thinking? So I'm very insecure when the chicken pox conversation comes up. But I just, I don't know what the deal is. Like sometimes people will be like, you didn't have chicken pox. That's me. That means you get shingles later in life. It's worse. And other times people will be like, Oh, you, you get shingles later in life if you had chicken pox. I'm like, wait, what? 
What is the deal? I'm hearing conflicting information about this. Nobody can set me straight. Am I, am I going to die or not? Give it to me straight, Doc. And all right, chicken box. And then, like, when I was a kid, I never got my wisdom teeth removed either. So I had, I had to get them removed when I was in my 30s, and it was brutal. They had to crack open my face and get these things out. And I remember just horrible yellow and black, black and blue bruising all over my face. Again, why was this not done when I was a child? Asleep at the wheel. Done when you're when you're a younger and you can bounce back from this stuff when your face is malleable. Nothing. Nothing. So I would hate to die of, of because I never got a disease. Wouldn't that be ironic? He died because he was too healthy. I fought off the chicken box. Immune system too strong. So the kids are away for a bit and sleep away camp still. I'm taking care of their pets. They have these two lizards, Sam and Margaret. And what we learn with these lizards is that one is – they're both the same size, these two geckos. But the deal is with lizards, if one starts to grow significantly large, uh, it will one day just decide to eat the other one. They could live together for 10, 20 years. These things live forever. But if one day you look a little larger than your partner, bam, you become food. It's such a cruel world, the lizard world. So cold and calculating. And I don't have... The dog, because uh, the dog was with – my mom watched the dog when we were down in Philly and um, going to get the dog. And the weird thing is uh, when you used to walking your dog – and I felt like going for a walk, but I didn't have Lucy. So I was just going to walk by myself around the block and that seemed creepy. That a man walking around the neighborhood without a dog – Seemed a little creepy, I thought. I didn't want to cause any concern. It's all about context. Man with dog, fine. Man without dog, lecherous. So I need my dog back so I can get some context. But they were... They're away. These are camps, and then the older one had their cheerleading camp, and the younger one with the dance and piano recitals. And basically, whatever my children do, uh, you have to buy them flowers at the end. That's that's how these things work. You did cheerleading. Here's your bouquet. You finished the piano. Very well done. Here are your roses, honey. Now you know they do a wonderful job. They've earned these roses, but it just seems like I'm really shelling out a lot of cash for flowers. You people with sons probably can't relate to this, but the amount of money you spend on bouquets and roses and this and that, it adds up, folks. I may start clipping flowers from my garden because, you know, 
I start to assess, did she really play the piano that well? Does she deserve a dozen roses or would a half dozen convey the same message? It's a lot, folks. It's a lot. You know, when I was growing up, obviously, roses were never even an issue. While playing soccer or football, never even an issue for my parents, acquiring roses. Maybe they should have. Maybe I would have scored more goals had I <laughs> received a bouquet. But I don't know. Motivation. Well, I don't know what would have motivated me. So I'm in bouquet culture, folks, particularly this cheerleading now. Do we have any cheer dads out there? My goodness, this is a bizarre sport. What these girls do, they run out, and the first time I saw one of these cheerleading routines, I don't think I spoke for about five minutes. It was just, it was a lot to take in. A lot of things were happening at once. Jumping, bending, synchronized flips. But the most disorienting thing about the whole routine, and this was true of every cheer team, not just my daughters, that they would take a pop song and then put it through almost the traditional cheerleading filter. And what I mean by that, these are songs you recognize, but then they mutate them in such a way so they become cheer songs in which every song has lasers in it. And the lasers are in – it's just amazing. It's amaz- It's like a – it's like the end scene in Star Wars. Lasers everywhere. <laughs> we were talking about Star Wars the other night, and my wife called it a Disney movie. She said, yeah, it's Star Wars. I don't know. I'm not in any of those Disney movies. <laughs> and I felt like a true Star Wars fan's head would explode <laughs> that she referred to Star Wars as Disney. She dismisses <laughs> all that stuff, like Marvel and DC comics and every superhero movie and everything along the lines of superhero stuff and, and sci-fi as Disney movies. I, I kind of like that. There's a purity to that. It's just, she doesn't have time for your Disney nonsense. She's a modern woman. She's not gonna, she's not gonna suffer fools gladly about, you know, the origin of Iron Man. This, does, this is not important information in her pharmaceutical world and her, you know, her type A world. She doesn't have time for you and your, your Marvel comics. <laughs> oh, man, I love her. <laughs> she makes me laugh. And those Disney movies. Well, I forgot... I'm not, sh- I'm not sure how we are on time, but you know what? This feels about right. This feels like a nice spot to, to shut it down. She did say one more thing. Apparently, I'm just paraphrasing my wife's jokes now. She, so we didn't watch that, and then I was watching Jeopardy, and she wondered, like, when people it, select their outfits when you're going to be on Jeopardy, like, it's interesting. If you were going to be on Jeopardy, what would you wear? Because you, you might only get one shot at this, right? Unless you're like, you know, Ken Jennings and you win 17 episodes in a row. But let's assume, 
let's assume you win the first game of Jeopardy, right? So you have a two-day run. You win the first game, and you get knocked out in the second game of Jeopardy. What would you wear? You would have to go with, like, your A1 outfit, right? And then, like, A, A2, B1. I don't know. This is getting confusing. It's It would probably consume me so much so that I would not even prepare for the quiz itself. I would not review famous lakes in Africa. I would not review poets of the 18th century. I would just fixate on what am I going to wear. And I would be promptly ousted. Trebek would shake my hand and that would be it. And I'd think, I wonder how this shirt is going to come across on national TV. All right, I'm going to wrap it up. Have a wonderful day. We'll do it again. How come you don't do the pod? How come you're doing a podcast? Then how come you didn't do the podcast? <laughs> you can't win in this world, folks. Bye.